face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Hello and welcome to another episode of Film to Film, the best podcast about movies that has been shot or been recorded in my apartment. Uh, my name is Nick Lignero, and I'm here with my good friend James. Hey James, how are you doing? I am well, Nyaki. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, have you seen any movies lately? Uh, I, I've been going through my usual diet of stuff. I've been watching some uh, Rob Zombie films for the first time. All right. I can't say I'm a huge fan. Uh, and I also recently watched uh, this Mexican, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a whore, but yeah, Mexican genre film. Uh, was it in, in, in Shudder? Yes, it was. So te- uh, technically, it must be a horror then, right? <laughs> well, technically, I think they say that they focus on horror and thrillers. So uh, they kind of cover their ass with that second part of it. But, I, I mean, I, they are known for their horror. Right. Also, I, I mean, is would this be more of a... Actually, well, let's start with... Yes. Today, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about this lovely Mexican film, uh, which title is... Tigers are not afraid, or in Spanish, the title being "vuelven," uh, which means they come back. Um, actually, before talking about the movie, which title do you like better? Because they're very different. Hmm, I actually kind of like the uh, Spanish title better, uh, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's got more of a nice short. Uh, uh, it's got good brevity to it. it, it it's got a good ring to it. So yeah. I like that one. Yeah, tigers are not afraid. It's kind of a weird title, and uh, yeah, it makes it feel even less of a horror. Because I mean, I, yeah. I think this is supposed to be a horror fancy fantasy. I mean, there are horror elements here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely sort of in that Guillermo del Toro uh, realm of fantasy with horror uh but it's not really like a straight horror uh, right i like, mean yeah there's some very horrific concepts in it for sure for um sure. but yeah we'll we'll jump into that in a little bit yeah uh but be- before we continue what were your what are your initial thoughts about this film you know i actually feel very similar about this film to how i felt about uh devil's backbone which we watched uh about a month ago mm-hmm. um it's like not a film I personally connect with a lot, uh, but it's well made. Um, I think it does a lot of stuff well. Uh, I really uh, thought some of the acting of it was quite stellar. Uh, kid acting is not necessarily a strong point for a lot of films. I thought these kids did a pretty good job. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, uh, to me it felt sort of like, a, a, you know, in that Guillermo del Toro um, vein of, of fantasy and which doesn't totally work for me, just as sort of a genre. Uh, mm-hmm. As we talked about for The Devil's Backbone, I'm also not necessarily a big uh, kid fan uh, in falling in a film. But I will concede that the film was quite well made, and it does definitely have some elements of it going for it. So, mixed feelings on it, I'd say. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this film. Um, I mean, I think this is the first time we both watched it. So, I mean, I didn't know... Uh, I, I wasn't sure what this movie was going to be about. I just knew that there were children in it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I I really liked about this film was that the horror 
was not at all related to the the ghosts and the demons or whatever else you saw. But actually, they were all like the real horror in this film was uh, the reality reality of things. Like, um, mm-hmm. so I mean, yeah, not not unlike the Devil's Backbone. Not unlike, the, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I would say this one. Uh, the, uh, on this one, I feel like the 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 real threat was in my opinion, scarier than The Devil's Backbone. Because in Devil's Backbone was just this cartoonishly bad guy, right? It, yeah, it was one working class guy, and here it's... Uh, A whole gang. It's more systemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, um, you know, um, I mean, I, I like how this film deals with... In the back end, I mean, the, the, the subtext of... You know, just not just uh, drug war, violence, but also human trafficking. Uh, I mean, all kinds of fucked up stuff. Um, I I will say, and I agree with you, this is one hundred percent the same boat as Del Toro's kind of films. Uh, you know, uh, between Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth, and this, you sort of have. That similar children's world versus children's world and fantasy versus you know a very crude reality happening outside. Right, right. The way that it integrates the fantasy into the world, it feels very um, Del Toro inspired. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, it takes place in a little bit of a different setting. It's a more um, urban setting uh, than which I think adds a nice little twist to it. And I think some of the camera work. Also feels a little more improvisational, a little more um, handheld uh, stuff I noticed being used. So I think the look of it is, uh, you know, a little bit different from Del Toro. But uh, down to like sort of the conclusion uh, where where they uh, where she keeps being told to lure the people into the to the ghosts. Uh, it just it, it really is like wow, that's very similar to uh, Devil's Backbone. Yeah, no, for sure. To lure the guy to it. So I, I couldn't help but get just like tons of flashbacks. Um, to that as well. I mean, and part of it is just because we watch them so close to each other as well. Right, um, right. And I mean, and, and I would say because I, I think uh, this director did mention that she was inspired a little by some of Del Toro's fil- Del Toro's films. Okay. And you know, yes, plot wise, I can see that. <laughs> uh, you know, especially the the ghost wanted to uh, asking the main our main protagonist. To bring the bad guy to it. Um, well, uh, before continuing, I will make sure to mention our short summary. Uh, this one came from IMDb. Uh, basically, is a dark fairy tale about <clears throat> sorry, a dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels. And the ghost created every day by the drug war. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah. It, it works, yeah. I mean, it describes it all right. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, yeah. uh, um, what One thing is that this more... The drug war, I think, is sort of the basis of why this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I mean the gang, the, the the bad guys, or the you know, 
they're not like your they're not narcos these guys are trafficking children and women like they're they're in human trafficking i mean it doesn't seem like they are uh narcos necessarily right uh, i mean the way that is shown to it's sort of shown as like these things are symptoms uh, of like a larger problem which right. i guess is caused by uh sort of the drug trafficking and stuff like that so um it's interesting yeah i mean it's an interesting backdrop um I, I feel like Devil's Backbone. Man, I, I'm just going to be making references the whole time. Oh, that's fine. I feel like that that film. Uh, also, I feel like the thing that sets them apart is like they both have very different backdrops and historical settings to them. And that's one thing I really liked about Devil's Backbone is sort of that uh, backdrop uh, to the uh, Spanish Civil War mm-hmm. going on uh, at the time. And this one has also like just a lot of uh, backdrop and turmoil, and is also about sort of how like these characters that are a little bit marginalized in in the not who you'd expect to be sort of front and center um in some of these uh stories Mm -hmm. yeah no for sure i mean i i love the fact that um i actually like that it's set in modern mexico uh you know uh taking into account the current violence over there I actually really love the uh, the setting in general. I mean, you have the shanty ta- uh, the sh- shanty houses, uh, or what it looks like maybe a shanty town mixed with you know uh, regular houses that are ab- were abandoned because the violence is just too high. So it's it almost feels like they're in a ghost town, um, and you have lots of scenes of the children just walking on rooftops as well as. Um, you know, dogs everywhere. Granted, that's more of a Latin American thing. Like, I mean, if you go to Chile, you will find dogs everywhere, and but no violence necessarily. Um, but but just you know, all all of that. Um, so I mean, I do like that modern setting, and I mean, and that sets it apart from Del Toro's kind of films. And I also appreciate that in the background you always see something that could be politically related so many in many of the shots you see ads for a politician running right and you know you know that that guy is probably in with uh our antagonists here who are the Huascas. um you also you know i mean there are moments where you you're you can see how Basically, nowhere, there's just no uh, safe place. I mean, the movie right. begins with uh, the children at school, right? On uh, oh, not the main character necessarily all the all the main characters, but like the main girl, uh, Estrella, is at school, and like then there's a fucking school shooting or something going on, and they had to shut down the school, and you know that it's the gang, and right, and you see like bodies on the street and. Children playing hula, no, play, uh, limbo with <laughs> the yellow tape. I mean, it really builds this horrible place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, I mean, you don't need to even look very far beneath the surface to see that, like, this film is very, very bleak in its messaging. And it just shows how all these different systems have failed uh, the children. Uh, I mean, I think you could do a pretty easy reading on that uh, stuff, like the schools that we're talking about at the beginning, how uh, they have a shooting, and it's just like, yep, we're shut down. 
um, and it's just sort of gives up on the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the politician is literally the bad guy in this film that's like torturing and human trafficking people, and so like the political system is corrupt. And then when they show the video <laughs> of the politician to the cops, I think I had just about my only laugh in the film. Where the cops are like, "Yeah, fuck that, <laughs> we're, we're leaving, we're getting the hell out of here." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like. I totally understand the reaction, but it just shows, like, the schools, the politicians, uh, the police, they're all totally failing these children. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, so it's uh, it, it's extremely dark uh, in that sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, there's tons of uh, films, especially thrillers and horror films, where you're always asking yourself, oh, man, this would be resolved by calling the cops. In this one, they actually go to the cops, and... Truth be told, I thought it was going to be worse for the kids. I I, yeah. I was expecting the cops to you know take the kids to to uh, El Chino, which is I think the yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but I kind of like how they did it, uh, where it's not everyone is out to get them, but like it's more like and the cops could be totally okay. They're total, probably totally normal people. But uh, the systems has just failed to the point that it's like they do not want to touch this thing. Yeah, uh, at it, all. it's like oh, politician, oh fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't want. I don't want to end up dead. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a very bleak uh, film. So, you know, w- one of the things that um, that I do enjoy with both this one as well as. Um, you know, Devil's Backbone is beyond the bleakness. You do have the innocent kids, and I do, I do. I mean, you know, this is a gang of kids. One of them literally wants to kill uh, Kako, one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point. That, I mean, the first time you meet this kid, uh, uh, Shine is his name. He, you know, he steals a gun from Kako, who's Kako. one, who's one of the henchmen, and. Like he's he was about to kill him, but he can't. He can, you know, get get out, get to it uh, for right. whatever reason. And that's the first time you see this kid. So you're like, oh shit, okay, definitely innocence lost. But then later on, you see all of them. You know, like they're playing like children. Uh, uh, they're having fun. I mean, they they find like you know soccer balls and they paint on them and they play soccer and I, I, it's just. I do enjoy that juxtaposition between, you know, them being at certain moments, having to make real adult decisions, and then at other moments, you know, live like children. Um, mm-hmm. Right. That's something I enjoyed in this, and that I think actually might have done even better than Devil's Backbone. I mean, these kids were... Because in Devil's Backbone, you know, they're... At, they're, they're they're always kind of protected. They were always kind of protected until the end. Here, you start off with the main character. You don't know what happened to her mother, but she has yeah. not had her mother for a while, and she's hungry. And then all the the other four char- four main characters are already mm-hmm. living in the streets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Compared to Devil's Backbone, which I feel like feels like it's more fantasy land because it's like in the past during like this uh period in spain that's like pearls we feel very far removed from this one is very contemporary and so uh, as a result i think you're probably right I, I think it does probably hit a little 
closer to home uh, or harder just because this is something that's happening um, or this is a story that's happening in present day. Mm -hmm. And like the drug war is very much still a thing going on. Right. And I mean, human trafficking connected to the drug war is also happening. So, right, right. Um, anyway, so now to jump in a little bit into, you know, different scenes, um, the, you know, one of the first scenes that like struck to me was, uh, when the kids were escaping, escaping the Huascas. So... That, you know, at, at first, you don't know who the Huascas are. You just know about the drug wars, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you hear about the Huascas showing up, you you know, the, the children are running away. Well, they're, they're like, hey, no, we need to run away because now they're going to give you to Chino. You don't really understand much, but you know that the Huascas are bad, but you don't understand why. I mean, like, were you wondering yourself, like, when, when they were running away, it, what the reason was that... These gangsters would want to be attacking children because, like, at first, I, I I didn't understand like why would narcos <clears throat> care? Yeah, I, I I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the, it deliberately sort of keeps you in the dark. Uh, I also didn't totally understand what they're doing um, there as far as chasing the kids, but I mean, it slowly sort of builds that mystery until you do find out eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, beyond the what. The chase itself, what do you think of it? Like, what do you think? Because to me, it really struck me, uh, the the setting, you know, the kids going from their little fort, uh, street fort, to running on these different rooftops. Like, you know, do you, what thoughts do you have on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a ton of thoughts other than sort of what you said earlier. It's like nice to see sort of like, well, it's not nice to see. Uh, it's it. It's a nice setting, uh, this sort of like very uh, sort of sleepy, but also dark and sort of abandoned city. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, this is during the daytime, so... Yeah. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, the interiors are all pretty dark, uh, even during the daytime, and uh, and they go out into the roof, and then it's sort of sunny. I don't know. I, I don't have a huge array of thoughts. Uh, what were your... What, what do you got? Well, no, so, I mean, uh, to me, it's just, you know, we, uh, we've, we especially when we've, we've talked about, you know, this many European films, right, like the Italian ones and uh, settings. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I, I did like about the change here was, which is also different from an American film, uh, how you had these kids, you know, running on on this, you would say, like, almost 10 uh, like this roofs made out of tin or mm-hmm. aluminum, if you will. I'm, I'm not sure if it was tin or aluminum. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, they look very, in one hand, very crappy, <laughs> like you know, like. But at the same time, they did have a th- an, an aesthetic, uh, and I mean, there were moments where when they were running away, you could see from afar like a really nice looking church, and you could see part of the cities in some moments. And you had that uh, sort of a contrast, especially in the daytimes and in the scene when they're running away, where uh, you get to see a little bit of uh, this Mexican city. And I mean, there's some other buildings that look really nice. Uh, mm-hmm. They almost look like, 
I don't know, colonial, if you will. Uh, and then right next to the shanty houses where, you know, the, the, where the kids are congregating. I thought, you know, the, the chase scene sort of provided a very quick view of that. Uh, I mean, there were other shots with doing that as well. Um, that at least to me caught my attention when it comes to the cinematography and as well, you know, to me. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, I'd say as a whole, the film had sort of like this more handheld look to it. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of that look generally, um, but it's well done here. I do not like handheld personally, Yeah, but there were moments where the, there were moments where the film was not fully handheld. Um, and I mean, the, one of them was like that contrast where you do have a view from above the shanty roofs and you mm-hmm. get to see part of the city. And I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe it was still handheld, but it was not shaky, per, I guess, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And who knows how hard, how easy or hard it is to put a tripod on top of one of those uh, tin roofs. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So... Do you think they they shot at a real city? Uh, certainly looked like it. It looked like it was all in location to me. Yeah. Um, I don't think they ever named the city, so it kind of gives us sort of like anonymous. Uh, this could be happening a lot of places in Mexico. Feel to it. Right. No. Def- yeah. Definitely. I, I. I. I was wondering that about that though. Like, it's probably not Mexico City. I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I was curious myself, so I looked it up, and it just says, uh, at least in the Wikipedia, it just says that it's in a Mexican city, right. uh, devastated by the drug war, so it never specifies what city. Right. Somewhere in northern Mexico, I assume. Yeah, probably. Um, Alright, so another scene that, to me, caught my attention was... Um, well, we talked a little bit about the buildings... But uh, specific, but besides the buildings, uh, that one moment where they meet up with uh, these teenagers, because most of the movie, the only characters that you have are the children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but th- there's one scene where they meet up with some teenagers, and I liked as as a scene, uh, put in framed, or as a framed scene. It was very beautiful in the sense that this is at night. It looks like it's under uh, under a bridge, and the only thing illuminating everything, everyone, is a burning piano. Mm. Did that struck you at all, or? Yeah, I I like the aesthetic of the night scenes overall. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're just well lit. I don't. I don't know. I don't have a time. Uh, the burning piano that. that didn't attract you at all. Because, I mean, you get to hear the burning, but you also hear the, the as the strings are cutting off. So, I mean, it's really building, like, some sort of uh, weird ambience there. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no real thoughts. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, actually, what about the mansion? Uh, or, was that his mansion or school? The the abandoned building where the kids stay? Uh, I, I like, I mean, it, it has some nice little flourishes, like the, the fish in there and stuff like that. Um, but not much. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I don't know. It kind of goes along with just everything uh, I've said already. Sort of like, 
abandoned city look, uh, stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, don't okay. have don't have time to add. All right, uh, interesting. Um, hmm. Okay, so I guess uh, in that case, let's jump into the ghosts. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think we have enough of the scenery. Um, what do you think? Like, so what were your thoughts about um, the mother? Because I mean, you never get to see the mother herself. You see her in flashbacks, but you never get to see her. Instead, you get to see what may or may not be her ghost. Um, unlike, um, <clears throat> unlike uh, Devil's Backbone, the mother, you actually never see her full ghost. Mm-hmm. You just hear her, and then you see different formations with like objects or elements. Did you, which which of the moments where the mother appears, did it strike strike you most, or did it like caught your attention? Uh, which did it strike me the most? Mm-hmm. I I I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I always like it when it comes sort of like from the floor and stuff like that. I I mean. To me, it's all felt pretty similar the mm. way that it was. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a number of moments, but I don't know that anyone struck out uh, as far as like being uh, particularly notable for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you ever play tele- uh, telephone with you know, using a cup on a wire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I personally liked that scene where uh, the mother kind of uh, talks to the daughter and warns her about you know, about them being in danger through that cup. So the daughter has a cup, right? Uh, I mean, they do some silly things like the mother's hand coming out of the cup, which reminds me of almost like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street with the tongue coming out of a phone. But uh, beyond that, um, I did, that one made me think of, you know, made me question if it was really a ghost or it was a straight imagination. Mm-hmm. I mean the the way that it goes the whole time is you're not totally sure. Uh, I mean that's the thing with ghost stuff is like it you don't it, it could be their imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's always like that sort of element is like is uh, Estrella just uh, having a mental moment or is uh, or is there an actual ghost? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but I, I really like to me the that that scene work the best in, in adding that question mark in the sense that, you know, it's a very child childlike thing to do to, you know, be talking to someone with a cup, right? And in this case, she's talking to her mother with that cup. And I, I, I don't know, I thought that was, it could have been a touching moment, but for the fact that uh, Estrella was terrified of her mom's ghost. Yes, yes, she is quite scared of the ghost. And... It makes sense because her the mother's ghost is never pleasant to see to be seen. I mean, right, right, yeah. I mean, and it makes sense. It's like the way that these people died; it, they'd probably be pretty haunting. Uh, yeah, in that sense, just because of the horrific things that have happened to them. Yeah, I mean, the only, the, only, the first ghost that you actually get to see that is not scary is uh, Moro, 
the little kid that steals mm, everyone's right. heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say? The kid is really cute. And it is kind of sad when he dies. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's the first kid that you see. Um, anyways. Um, huh. All right. I'm just trying to see what else I have. So we talked about the cops, which uh, that was early on, which yeah. I also loved. Yeah. Um, that was the only moment I actually laughed at this film. <laughs> I laughed actually when uh, Estrella talked to Moro's ghost. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, okay. and I, again, it was one of those few moments where... The uh, there's a couple of moments where the movie doesn't it's not so dark right like one of them is the children playing uh, an audition show like uh, audition reality show that was kind of funny because you had a kid who's like oh I rap and then rap and then he beatbox <laughs> yeah that was kind of a cool set I like I thought that set added to the feel of the film yeah I, I'd say the director chose some pretty nice locations no no all. for sure yeah. But yeah, so there was that scene, and then there was a scene where, um, you know, uh, Moro's ghost uh, shows up at the at a like playground where Estrella is by herself, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he he basically is like, hey, yeah, they're they're burying me, and I'm really cold. She goes like, where? And he's like, everywhere. It's like. No, 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 no. Where, where are they burying you? It's like, oh, I, I, that I don't know why. Like that little interaction mm-hmm. made me yeah. laugh because it was just like, you, you know, you had just seen a video of how Australia's mom was beat to death and then shot. This little kid was killed, and the other children are, you know, burying his corpses, and then you have this silly interaction. And I think it was... The- yeah, it's like she's trying to talk to an Alexa. <laughs> and it's giving her the wrong answer. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was it was just funny. It, it added... Uh, especially because it, since it's the first the, the first and only time you hear Moro uh, speak, mm-hmm. it sort of adds to, you know, his character. That Gotcha. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, this movie, one thing is it's all about the characters, right? Uh, I mean, you have Estrella, who is more of a dreamer. And it looks like she has had a better life than the, all the other four children. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's the recently orphaned one. Exactly. Right. And then on the other hand, you have China, who is quite bitter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we see how his character starts, and he's the one that has homicidal uh, ideation, or whatever you say. <laughs> Right, but he's still unable to do it. Because, I mean, he... Yeah, yeah. In, in the entire film, actually, no one kills any... Like, none of the kids actually killed anyone. No, no. I mean, doesn't quite go there. Uh, no. It would have been a much darker film if that actually happened. I mean, you could say Moro almost killed someone. He's, if, if, if there was only one <clears throat> child who, who killed someone, was Moro... Or who, who shot right. someone. And that one felt very self defense uh, oh, or at least, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh. yeah. Um, 
Huh. But yeah. So now, um, what? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, 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 I, this podcast might be a little shorter than the average, uh, which is fine. Um, the other thing I wanted to note, and I'm bringing it back to Devil's Backbone because apparently I can't get Devil's Backbone off of my back, uh, is the orphan uh, stuff also reminded me a lot of it. And I think one way that this film is bleaker in addition to sort of that like, contemporary realism is like, both of those films have like a lack of parental figures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in Devil's Backbone, they actually do have some good adult characters, like the uh, Argentinian guy, and uh, like even like the the matriarch of like the orphanage. Right. And this this one literally has nothing. No, and they actually say it. Yeah. Uh, this is one. This is one of the movies where. I mean. In one of the scenes, you know, one of the, uh, I think Shyness says, you know. Like there are no wishes, there are no tigers. It's just us, and yeah. you know, it, it, you really can see at that moment how like hopeless their situation is. Yeah. Um, what did, what were your thoughts about the uh, connection between this and this uh, tiger story? Uh, it was all right. Uh. It didn't really do much for me, to be honest. Uh, yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's also why I am more in favor of the other title. Because, <laughs> uh, be- yeah. Because it's even less connected. I, I I think, I mean, I think the other title is also connected to, with the Tigers. Because, I mean, the, uh-huh. the, the, the idea was that the Tiger escapes and then comes back to kill, I mean, to kill... Kako, technically, right? Uh, because Kako had killed the, all the other, other animals and the tiger had escaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, in this case, the Welven was referring to they, they all come back. But also it could be viewed as all the sins of the bad guys kind of hit them back too. You know, uh, They all end up dead. Yeah, or or all the uh, the souls are not settled so they're, they'll be back and mm-hmm. take a Chino soul. Or whatever, right? So, so I, I mean, maybe that's why I like it more. Many meetings to it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, so I personally, I, I liked part of the like fantasy stuff. I did like um, the blood trail. I thought it was kind of an interesting uh, visual aspect. I mean, whenever you saw that blood trail, you knew that that was her mom. Yeah, uh, and um, and at first, right, it, it, it's scary for Australia, but at the end, you know, it guides her to to escape. But where she escapes is where it's probably one of the most like fucked up scenes. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, again, I mean. For a film that does not feel like a horror film, it had all the elements of a horror film when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do you have the ghosts, but they're gross. And then at the end, you do have this room that is just full of disposed bodies. And if this is not a horror, I don't know what is, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly more horrific than 99%. Well, Maybe not ninety nine percent, but ninety five percent of horror films. Yeah, 
um, but also very cathartic because when seeing Chino locked into that in that room, you know, you know that the ghosts will do whatever they need to do. Yes, yes, um, including getting burnt at the end by China's uh, <laughs> Zippo. <laughs> yep. Um, well, one thing I read apparently that th this director lost, her, like her mother died when she was young too, and you know, I think I read, there was an interview where I guess like she forgot about that, but someone pointed to, pointed it out to her, and she felt even more connected with someone th with Australia. I wonder if that's you know like something people experience, or because I mean, loss is. In one, in one part, like a big element in this movie too. Mm -hmm. uh, not just loss, but like the wanting to sort of have a piece of memory. I mean, uh, a big element of this film is Kako's phone, which was stolen yep. because that's where Shine uh, is. Like the last picture that of his mother is in in there. Um, I, I don't know I mean that's one element that I think they, they talk about but it, it, it's one I, I think in theory right like uh, perhaps not as an entertainment piece but as a, as a piece to think about uh, the concept of loss and memory and its value you know it's big um, right I mean like down to the point where uh, Australia uh, at the end, uh, won't leave until she goes back and sort of finds the room that her mom is in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is a really sad movie. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, who would you recommend this to, out of question? Uh, just because I, I feel like I'm not giving you much back on, on answers. Like, uh like is uh do you think like this film is accessible to like your mom or someone like that or or uh because to me it's like so depressing that i don't even know if i'd recommend it to people even though it's a well-made film um i mean i would probably recommend it to someone who um i mean it depends it depends on on, on what uh what you want to analyze right like part of it is do you want to analyze you know um the use of magic realism in filmmaking, which, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we see, again, we, we do see that in, in, in Del Toro's film, but this one has a lot of it too, right? It does, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just a ghost, but, you know, you got this weird dragon that that lives in the phone. You got the, the, stuffed, the stuffed tiger uh, that's always with Morrow. Um, so, I mean, for folks who really enjoy that, I would say for folks who, you know, liked, uh, you know, Garcia Marquez novels, uh, things like that. I mean, okay. this movie is a very good representation of, or, yeah, San Luis Isabella Yendez, right? Like a good representation of the, uh, of that mix between hardcore reality and sprinkled with uh, fantasy yeah no that's a good way to put it it's sort of like combined social realism with some of the fantastical elements of 
uh, Del Toro. And I bet that uh, you could recommend it to fans of Del Toro or to people that are into more of the art house scene of like social realism stuff that, you know, is often <laughs> a little depressing to watch at times. Yeah. Uh, but plays real well to certain crowds at like uh, film festivals and that sort of thing. Right, definitely. I mean, this is one of one of uh, when I was watching this, I was like, is this a Mexican thing? Right. Like because Del Toro is a Mexican director, this is a Mexican film. But but then we think about, you know, we, we have this also with La Llorona, right? It also is like hyper-realism like with, mixed with uh, ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Good call. Um, yeah, kind of similar in a way. So, I mean, this is more, I feel like, a Latin American thing. Um, because then you think about literature. Uh, I don't know if you, you've read uh, House of the Spirits. I have not. Isabel Allende. So, um, but, uh, you know... If another book basically where you know you, you also have that mix between uh i mean to be honest i haven't read it either but i mean <laughs> uh and i probably should have but uh it, again it's it's a it's a type of novel where it deals with both very realistic concepts mm-hmm. um as well as uh dealing with as well as having the you know characters uh, communicating and interacting with ghosts Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this film is too dark to show to children oh this is not a children's film <laughs> no it's not but I also almost wonder it's like you know if you think about some of these like Pixar films or children films those films have a ton of trauma in it there's like lots of like parents being killed and stuff like that so I almost wonder like if this would counterintuitively be like okay to show to children even though I agree with you it's probably not the target audience um, but I'm also not a parent, so I probably uh, don't know best, <laughs> to say the least. It's, it's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, on, on one hand, um, I mean, I, I'm just curious whether it would be boring for a, chi- a child, too. Yeah, some of the styles and stuff like that, it's a bit understated uh, and under-communicated in a way that children's stuff usually isn't so yeah that's probably correct uh i mean it's not a long film but uh it's not a film that feels like it's moving by super fast either yeah uh, yeah i mean i uh, like a 13 year old perhaps you know like a preteen, perhaps um but i i think this is more more maybe to a level of like a teenager uh, you you probably could show this to a teenager, and um, definitely show. I mean, I'm definitely for adults. Uh, they're art house fans, as well as the right. ha- the fans of again magical realism. Because uh, mm-hmm. you know, Garcia Marquez, uh, Isabel Allende, like of literature, basically fans of literature. Uh, I think this film does a very good job at sort of bringing that into film, which I, again, yeah. that's something that uh, uh, Del Toro did as well, but. This one is more real, almost more closer to realism. Right, right. I mean, it's interesting you brought uh, La Llorona into it too, because yeah, I mean, you're right. It, that also has a similar structure. Very different film, uh, much more focused on adults and politics and stuff like that. Uh, but like the vengeful ghost, uh, sort of like bringing, uh, uh, getting revenge on uh, bad human beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it, it structurally, it's uh, very similar. 
Right. And I mean, and, and the ghosts itself are in all these films are are scary themselves. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, the uh, the mother here is terrifying right. in moments, right? Right. I mean, it's interesting, too, because like the ghosts in those all of those films, all three of them are like on the side of the audience as well. But they're still played for scares. And I feel like that's something that I don't know. It, it does feel like it's portrayed in like a slightly different tone and from a slightly different point of view than you would normally see in like an American film. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think, yeah, I don't think, I don't, because we we did uh, 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 Devil's Backbone so recently, you know, indeed it is hard to talk about this one without like, going, keep them going back. Um. Again, Devil's Backbone was not the first movie to do that, this or or to come up with this no, concept. No. Uh, even Magic Realism, you know, I already named several times, so I'll do it one more time. Garcia Marquez, Sara Allende, these are like authors from the, who have written since like the 60s and up. Uh, not very, Many Americans are not very well versed on them, uh, and hence why I think it's more of a Latino thing, right? Mm hmm. Or, yeah, makes sense. Or Latinx as a no, Latin Americans. Since uh, in reality, these are all folks from outside the U.S., right? Yep. So, yep. including Del Toro. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I I personally appreciate it for what it is. Um, I would recommend it for people who are interested in this kind of subjects. I probably had known what this film was about. I probably would not have picked it. <laughs> well, it's always good to mix it up now and then. Uh, show some stuff that we went <laughs> right. Fair, but uh, I mean, I think it's good. Uh, you know, what, what would you rate it? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. I feel like I'm on one hand, I'm being too harsh on it just due to my personal preferences. For me, it's probably close to a six. Mm. I could see someone. I, I I do think this film is like a little bit uh, worse than Devil's Backbone. Mm -hmm. But you know, I I could respect someone rating it an eight or something like that mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Because like I think in technical aspects and the acting, which I don't even think we really touched on, uh, which I think is just generally all around excellent, uh, which is something that's not too common to have for a cast of pretty much all child actors. Mm -hmm. I think the two leads especially are really strong. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I I think it's a good film. Yeah, so that's kind of where I like. Yeah. I I go for the acting. I do consider that uh, probably the strongest element, which probably we should have talked more about, is the acting. Um, all of them were right. impressive. Even like even Moro in the sense of like uh, Morito, sorry, the the little kid. Uh, the little, littlest one. Uh, usually, mm -hmm. you know, the cute kid is not the good actor in most films, in my opinion. Yeah, they're usually the worst, to be honest. Yeah, it's like they're just they were just picked to be the cute kid, and here, you know, he actually pulls his uh, like the you know he doesn't talk in most of the movie. Uh, he does great. I assume that maybe they they had chosen for him not to talk because he was probably a terrible actor. And <laughs> and then when you do see him talking, you know, it, it actually seems very organic. Well, there you go. And, uh, I mean, yeah. So good job by everyone involved, uh, the casting people and, uh, and the, the kid. Yeah, yeah. 
on the direction because I mean in probably takes all three right the casting oh yeah the director for sure, for sure. children mm-hmm. um, so I mean I for the technical aspects for the creative uh, way of, of showing the story and you know for the graffitis which I really enjoyed and we also did not talk much about um, I mean I personally give it a, a, a high 7 I don't know if it gets okay. to the eight, but uh, yeah, yeah. So solid. So I mean, I think we both uh, probably would it be fair to say we both uh, sort of uh, respect this movie more than we actually like would love to see it again, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I might show it to someone. I mean, but I, I'm not sure whom. But, okay. But yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a film where you're like you finish watching it and you're like. I'm going to hit that replay button <laughs> and rewatch it uh, the next day or anything like that. Well, there, there are films that I'd rated five that I will click that replay bo- button, though. Let's yeah, be yeah, clear. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the the replay button sometimes is not not, not always... Uh, 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 Indicative uh, of quality. Exactly. Uh, there are movies that are so bad that, you know, you might rewatch it just to relive how bad they are yeah <laughs> and to be honest that's those are probably movies that both of us <laughs> sometimes like to enjoy together yeah um all right well you know do you recommend it to anyone who do you recommend it to actually i would recommend this to anyone that is uh interested in film festivals um because i think this probably would play quite well at them mm-hmm. uh I don't know if this... Uh, oddly enough, this seems to have a lot of uh, horror fans as well. So, I don't know. I, I was a little surprised by that because, to me, it feels like a little slow for that audience. But uh, I guess I guess it maybe the appeal is a little broader than I I would intuitively think. Well, have you seen... Um, shoot, what's it called? Uh, this Australian film, uh, horror, uh, Babadook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Babadook is great. You see, but I mean, Babadook. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this one up, that one up, is that although it's a more traditional horror, um, it's also an extremely bleak film. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I actually I'm very split about Bab- the Babadook, and I would actually rate this one the same level as Babadook. Okay. To be honest. Wow, okay. Uh, and I consider myself, you know, a horror fan. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we should bring on the Babadook at some time. It's, I haven't watched that film in a while, so maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, but yeah, I do remember it being quite affecting. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying, like... It's a high seven. It's a high seven, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um... I don't think I have anything else to say besides... Oh, yeah. Who won? Oh. Who? I'm going to give it to an actor. And now which one is the harder... Oh, I'll give it to Estrella, the actor that played Estrella. She's good. She's yeah, good. She did a good job. Yeah. I think uh, if she wants to continue acting, she might have a good future. And she gave a very adult performance for a kid. Yeah. And a very understated one. So very expressive without necessarily speaking a ton. Exactly, so. uh, and not overacted. Not she didn't overact either or underact. Yes, no, definitely none a, of them did really. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, no, uh, definitely. And her, uh, the, the 
the actor's name is Paola Lara. So okay, thank you. Yeah, no, I I would give it to. Well, I was gonna give it to Stella, but since you already did it, I'll, I'll give it to <laughs> the second star, uh, the second star El China, which uh, the actor's name is Juan Ramon Lopez. Uh, okay, I think uh, those two kids have a very bright future as uh, actors if they want to pursue that career. This is coming yeah. from someone who does not know how to act, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but you are a great judge of acting. But I I, I judge. Yeah, I can judge, especially children, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're a great talent scout. Uh, you'd be a good casting director if you weren't already a great Esquire at law. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I thought he was great, too. I thought he did a good job. I mean, you th- talk about kid, but he did a good job of like being sort of like a very tough but menacing, but also, I don't know, his, his may have been the most multi-dimensional performance of everyone there. And I thought he really uh, pulled it off really well. So mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of commendations for uh, his performance too. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I mean, if, with all these kids, I mean, do, being do playing both the, the, the tough character or the tough role and at the same time playing, being children. Cause, I mean, there, there are many, that's one thing I you sometimes film, uh, see in other films when you have kids doing uh, adult roles is that they end up just staying, sticking with the adult part, Mm -hmm. like just acting like adults when they're children. And I think here they do both really well. Like when they need to be act like adults, they do. And then when they need to act like children, they do. Yep. Yep. I agree. So yeah. Uh, Juan Ramon Lopez and Paola Lara. Great job. Uh, Everyone else too. I mean, the adults, you barely see them, so they're almost irrelevant. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I recommend this film to everyone, uh, and I hope you have enjoyed this a uh, little bit more just disjointed episode. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, for uh, folks listening, uh, you know, if you have any questions, comments, if you want to ha- have any ideas for films, you can always email us at film to film at gmail.com or you can send us uh, like tweet us tweet at us at ZA film to film that's your first time doing the outro I'm, I'm enjoying this I know I know I, I decided <laughs> I was going to try it since uh, why not um, yeah we're a year in so uh, it's about time yeah so email us because we have an email address and tweet us because we have a Twitter address yeah there you go <laughs> we'll see you guys next time see you guys next time